If you have your Bible this morning, please turn with me to the book of Exodus. Last week we began a journey, a journey of the people of God as they had been in slavery and God rescued them. And the purpose of his rescuing was that just that they would be out from underneath the, the taskmasters. It wasn't just so that they would have to be able to stop making bricks. It wasn't just so that they could go and have a better retirement in a better place. His whole goal for rescuing them was to rescue them to himself. His desire for people is that we would be with him. His desire isn't that we would be in a fancy place apart from him still. He wants us in his presence. He loves us. And so in the book of Exodus, we see that he goes to extremes to go in and rescue his people. And we see that this is a picture of what he's done for us as he went to extremes. As Jesus went to the cross to bear our sin, to pull us out of slavery and sin and into not just a fancy eternity, retirement forever, but to living with him forever. And so we're seeing this in the book of Exodus, and so this morning we will look at chapter 2, beginning to see what God does as he, He plays out this rescue plan. So let's pray together as we go to the Word. Father, we thank You for Your testament, that You have given us the Word of God, Your Word. It is full of truth, it is used by Your Spirit to come and do surgery inside of us, Lord, that we might be exposed for... uh, the sinners that we are, uh, the desires to be worldly that we have, and ultimately the rebellion that we have against you and just wanting to, to stay as the king of our lives. And yet, Lord, we know that by your grace, you come and you begin to change our hearts. You, you cause us to not just look at our circumstances, to not just want to do what our own heart wants to do, but you turn our heads and you beckon us to yourself. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that by your word, by the gospel, that you would do that, that you would get our attention and that you would bring us back into that relationship with you. We pray that we would desire you. We pray that we would trust you. And so, Lord, would you do that this morning as you teach us from your word? I pray that you control my mind and my heart and my lips to speak only what you have ordained for this morning from your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So far in the book of Exodus chapter 1, We saw that things weren't good for the people of Israel. They were in Egypt at this time. They'd grown into a large nation just as God had promised. And in fact, they had become oppressed as God had told them would happen. And as that occurred, it got so bad that the king, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was taking all the newborn baby boys and was tossing him in the river Nile. He was trying to destroy the people of Israel. And so he was having population control. And so he had told the command to all the Egyptians, if you see the Hebrews with a baby boy, you are to throw it in the river. So you can imagine a Hebrew family, a husband and wife who maybe want to extend their heritage, who want to have children becoming pregnant and wondering what's going to happen. What if what if we give birth to a boy? What would happen to that boy in this scenario? Because those who oppress us have been told to take that boy and to throw him in the river. And so that's where we come into this story, Exodus chapter 2. That's the circumstances, not good for the people of Israel at that time. It says in verse 1, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. So these people are from the same tribe of Israel. This will come into play later. 
as we recognize that God calls the Levites to be the priests. So we'll just kind of put a pin in that and we'll save that for later on in the story of Exodus. But this man and this woman, they, they're, they're married and, and um, it says that in verse 2, the woman conceived and she bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. She had to hide him. Here, this man and this woman, they've, they've had this child. And when it's born, there's this mixture, no doubt, of, of joy. Mixed with fear. At the fact that they didn't know they were going to have a boy. But when that child came out, there was a boy. And it says here that he was a fine child. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, when Stephen is giving his sermon, he actually has a commentary in that and says he was a beautiful child in the sight of God. So you can imagine taking this gift that God has given to you and saying, man, he's beautiful. Look what God has given. He's had favor on this child, but then recognizing that if you're found to be holding a baby Hebrew boy, that that boy would be taken from you and thrown into the river. So it says that they hid him for three months. And in fact, the scripture also has a commentary on this in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. If you remember in that chapter, as we already referenced this morning, it goes through a long list of people who put their faith in God. We have people like Noah, people like Abel, people like Abraham. And yes, people like Moses. But it also talks about Moses' parents. And in that chapter, sometimes we get a little bit confused because we think that those people, it's their faith. It's something that they've done, something that they've conquered that somehow allowed them to get through the circumstances. But the beginning of that chapter tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. So what they were hoping is they couldn't see. They didn't know what the circumstances were going to go into hold, but they trusted. They believed God, the one whom they couldn't see, was going to work something that they didn't know could actually happen yet, but they trusted him. And so it actually talks about Moses' parents in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's Edith. That means they were going through all this, even though hum, in humanity, in their, in their self, they might have been fearful of what might happen. It said that they trusted. They believed that God could see them through. And so they hid this baby. I don't know about you, but I don't know how they did it. We've had three kids that have been that age. And if you've ever brought them into the midst of a service, it's very hard to hide a crying baby. Very hard when they've wet their pants or they're hungry. It's very hard when they want their mama to keep them from crying out. It's hard when you've got to change the diaper. It's hard when you've got to try to rock them to sleep to keep them hidden. And yet for three months, God allowed that child to be hidden from the sight of the Egyptians and to be spared. And by faith, they trusted that God was being involved in this. But it goes on. It says in verse three, when she could hide this is Exodus 2, verse 3. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds 
by the riverbank. Now, it used to be when we had kids who were young and there was a scenario where they might be put into danger. Because we loved them and because it was the law, we put them into car seats. <laughs> and these were, these were things that were built to be armor. They were built to undergo uh, wrecks. They were built to withstand impact and, and it would hold your child tight. There's a whole business around, around child seats. They're made. This woman needs to save her child and gets to going with arts and crafts. She goes to the closet and finds a basket that maybe she had used to put out food at a holiday meal or maybe she had used it to, to maybe do a bouquet of flowers on the table once in a while. Instead of using it for, for home crafts, she took and she surrounded that thing with what basically was tar and pitch. Hoping that every little part of that basket was sealed. Because any of you who have gone out into the midst of one of the ponds to go fish and has a hole in your boat knows what happens when there's a hole. It sinks. And here she is for the hope of saving her boy. Taking him a basket, surrounding it with this tar and this pitch. She put her baby in the basket and the only place that she knew to save her child, to hide him anymore, the mom put him into the river. Now, that was actually the same thing that the Egyptians were told to do with the babies, right? It was the same exact place that they were told to take the baby Hebrew boys. When you find the Hebrew boys, throw them in the river. Except she said, I'm, I'm going to give hope. I'm going to, I'm going to, but her hope, in essence, wasn't a basket. It wasn't because she was so good at making a craft, a watercraft, that she said, my boy is going to make it. What she was doing was saying this, Lord, here is the offering plate that I'm making, and here's my boy, and I'm giving him to you. I'm, I'm putting him on the river, and you need to take care of him. And I think about that and wonder, where did she get that idea? Where had she come up with this idea of thinking, if, I, if there was a way to rescue my boy, I'll just make a boat for him out of a basket from the closet, and I'll put him in the river where there might be gators. And what we have is this testament that has already occurred in the scripture from the book of Genesis where it came that when all the people on earth were going to be destroyed by God's judgment, that God called a righteous man named Noah and said, I'm going to send a flood, build a boat. And it says that when he went and he built that boat, that he covered that boat in what? The exact same thing it says that this woman covered the basket in she'd already recognized that there was a moment in time that when harm was coming that the whole family said we're getting in the basket we're just going to trust the lord and in this moment he is going to care for us so when she had no other way to hide this baby anymore she said not that i'm going to put my trust in a basket she was saying i'm putting everything into the lord's hands in this scenario and in this circumstance, even though there's nothing more that I can do to help my baby, I'm giving him to God. And she made a little ark for her baby boy and put him in the water. Not knowing what would happen, but God did, and he had this plan. Verse 4 goes on and says, 
His sister, the, the baby boy's sister, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. Behold, the, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The mom had no idea that would happen. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe at the river and finds this baby. Now the command was, if you find a Hebrew baby boy, kill the river. But somehow God had moved on this woman's heart to take the child in. So the Hebrew girl goes and runs and says, hey, I, I know a woman who can take care of this child for you. And the baby boy's own mom gets to go and nurse this child up. And you'd almost sense if the story ended there, man, it worked out. But isn't it the case with life that just the moment that you have put your trust into God and you've put that basket out on the river and said, I trust you in this circumstance. And it looks like everything's come around that suddenly another circumstance comes your way. It's never a moment in life when we can't just trust God with everything in the basket. Because the scripture doesn't end there. It's not that this baby boy and his sister and his mom and his dad get to live in their family and exist forever in the midst of Egypt. It actually says in the very next verse. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. In the first moment, the mom was putting the boy in a basket, an ark, onto the river. In the second moment, it was the exact same thing. It might not have been a basket, but now she was delivering her son into the hands of the Egyptian woman who was adopting her son. He would now become part of Pharaoh's family. He would now grow up in the Egyptian schools, learning literature and history and warfare and learning how to speak, even though later on he said, I don't know how to speak. But now she was having to do it again. God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to have to trust you with my child in this moment. You cared for him when I put him on the river in the basket. And right now I'm, you are going to care for him when I put him into the hands of this Egyptian woman. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what God has asked us to do with everything in our lives. Sometimes it seems, Lord, if you, if you would allow me just to cradle that thing as hard as I can for eternity, wouldn't that be the best thing? And the Lord says, if you would allow me just to take that thing and carry it for you, that'll be the best thing. This woman put the baby in the basket in the river. This woman took the baby and gave it into Pharaoh's daughter's arms. And many of you are carrying around babies. And many of you, because you're either too old or because you're a man, 
Now, I'm not carrying around a baby. What I mean by that is we've all got circumstances. We've all got situations. We've all got things. We've all got, we've all, we've all, maybe we do have children. And the Lord says this, do you, do you trust me in this moment? When it seems like everything else is out to get you, and maybe even out to get your child, do you trust me? Will you deliver that one into my hand? Will you deliver that circumstance? Will you trust me? Will you allow me to take that from you? You trust me with everything. Now, all these things are always a picture. It's not just about Noah's Ark. It's not just about the baby in the basket on the river. It's not just about that baby going and living in Pharaoh's house. God's always got a plan. And all these pictures of, of pattern, what we understand is this. There comes a moment with each and every person's life when because of faith, and we see all these examples of the Abrahams and the Moseses and his parents, when it says, by faith they trusted God, that we read already today in Hebrews chapter 12, right after that, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, it goes on to say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, Endured the cross, scorning its shame. All these things were a picture, not that we would get on a wooden boat or into a basket made out of reeds covered in pitch, but that we would go to a cross and that would be our vessel. That would be the thing that would take us from these circumstances, which if we are left to them, will crush us. It'll throw us into the river of death. It'll cause us to come to a place where we'll be completely separated from God forever. But God says, I want you in these things. Trust me. I have sent my son as the ark. I have sent my son as the basket. I have sent him as the one to be your rescuer. Not because he's trying to get us out of the circumstance. But because he's trying to rescue us to himself. What's the Lord trying to rescue you from? First of all, we need to deal with ourselves. It may not be an outside circumstance that we're dealing with. Good chance it's your own sin. If you're in sin, you can't do more sin to rescue you. If you're in sin, you can't do enough good to overcome that sin. The one thing that the scripture says can rescue you from that sin is Jesus Christ. And so if you're in sin, go to the Lord, repent. Get on that boat. That's the only boat that will save you. If it is a circumstance, if it is a relationship, if it is a heartache, if it is something and it's like, Lord, what do I do with this? Fix your eyes on Jesus. His whole purpose in this wasn't just to make the day easier. His whole purpose was to say, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. You know what saved Moses wasn't a basket. God was with him. You know what saw Moses through all those years going through Pharaoh's house? It wasn't just because he was rich. It wasn't just because he made good grades. Jesus was with him. 
What saved Israel out of Egypt? Jesus was with them. What will see us through today? Jesus is with us. Begs the question, what is our hope? Sure, the temptation for this mom, even though it's a, a good desire, is to, to hope that any of our children would live 60, 70, 80 years, maybe more. And it's a good thing to desire health. But ultimately, our hope is that we desire God. God is our hope. If we hope for just one more day, if we hope for just one more year, or more money in my next paycheck, then we will be the ones to be pitied. And our hope is in God. We will never be disappointed. Never. Never. That's why when Miss Judy Keene, as we hurt for her, the loss of her, but we think about her, and as I've already said today, she was always smiling. I could remember her shoulders just up and down because she was giggling so hard. Why could she do that? Jesus. Her hope was in Jesus. Today as we close, there comes a moment when you release that basket, you release that boy, you release that circumstance, and you trust God with it. And in those moments, you just say, it's yours. We're going to close with a song that says it with a certain phrase. And it's easy to sing this song and just kind of feel sad. And it's okay to be sad and it's okay to have emotions. But the word that this song uses is to say this. It is well. It is well. That's what that means. Lord, here's, here's the basket. It is well. You're in control, God. It is well. In all these circumstances and how hard it is, I trust you and it is well. This morning as we sing that, I pray that as we sing, it's not just us singing words, that the Lord would truly be asking you to come down to that riverside. And maybe symbolically this morning that means coming down into the front. Maybe that means you sitting in your seat, weeping your eyes out. Maybe that means you just putting up your hand and testifying to the Lord before the Lord saying, Lord, today... In my heart, you need your work so that I can come to that point of saying, it is well. I trust you. I trust you. And Lord, would you make you my hope and would you rescue and deliver me to yourself?